the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hey, everyone, we're back at it again with another episode, episode number two. And real quick, big shout out to my son, Jeremiah. Yep, he's given us a fresh new intro beat for the season. I know that the intro is a little long, but I just love that beat. And there's so many people that I wanted to snip in and show you uh, for season two of that intro for the video that I just left it about 20, 30 seconds. So you can little get a groove on before I actually come up and talk and share about those things. And you know what's crazy? Uh, it's, uh, it's awesome to understand that I am now old. Yes, I have to say it. I have a middle schooler, Jeremiah. Uh, it's awesome to see him just exercise his gifts, his talents. Uh, it's beautiful having a middle schooler, but it officially has made me old. I am not the coolest, but my wife still loves me and I love her and it's all good. And so rather than fighting it, I'm loving being a dad of a middle schooler. My daughter is, uh, she's still in fourth grade, so she's still cuddly and cute. And so is my son, but I can't tell him that. Oh well, I love being a dad and I know that we're better together. And so uh, I'm just I'm just really glad that he's using his gifts to help people like you give us a little groove before this uh, leadership podcast episodes. And so I'm big into knowing your calling, knowing um, what God has called you to do, doing it from worship. Uh, the mission of our church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And part of that is because we want to pursue God and out of that love for Jesus, uh, allow him to, the ministry would be an overflow of our heart to proclaim him. It's not just a mission, but it's a process. And so um, what really uh, helped me in understanding that was really when I, when I first started ministry on staff at Calvary Chapel of Olympia back in uh, 2000s, um, I read uh, a book that I want to recommend to you. Usually uh, during this uh, ep- these episodes, I'll give you a book a month. I, you don't have to read it, but I just want to whet your appetite for some reading. I know that uh, readers, uh, leaders are readers, they say, and, and we want to continue to learn from other people. And so there's so much great content out there, uh, not only on this podcast, but books and other podcasts. I know it could be overwhelming. So I just want to at least give you one book that has really helped me. And, and this uh, Quazone, uh, it's almost like a croissant, but uh, Quazone, uh, it's a Hebrew word and it's a book by Craig Rochelle. Many of you probably don't even know this book by Craig Rochelle because it's a super old book. It's 2006, but I would really recommend it to you. Um, and I would recommend it to you for this reason, because it really helps you see uh, your gifts, your passions, and your calling. It's an easier read and I, I want to say it's more like a, a work a workbook. Um, in the back of the book, it says Quazon, um, from the Hebrew, meaning a dream, a revelation, or vision. You were born with your own quazon. Uh, do you know what it is? And so this book actually counsels and guides you and helps you journal through entering what your values are, what your personal mission statement is, what your vision for your life is. How do you apply those? And it's it's a counseling book to find your own calling. And I thought it was a really cool thing. I haven't seen it uh, for years, but it was just in the in, in the back behind me and in, in my shelf. And I was like, you know what? That would be a great way to start uh, the book of the month for this month, the month of March, to give you a book to recommend. It's an old school book, and and this is a simple process and and something that you can recommend, especially to young people. P- 
people like my son Jeremiah, uh, a college-age student, um, people that have not even thought about gifting and passion and calling and what does that all look like. Uh, it's a really helpful book that helped me when I was young. Um, I know I'm still young, but many years before when I was even younger, uh, it helped me a great deal. And I know that it could help you and even be just a resource for you, especially if you're dealing with people in, in that sort of that prime age. I was a youth pastor for seven years and there many juniors and seniors, they're, they're thinking about what they're going to go and, and how God's made them. And they need to just, they need to have a lot of questions and, and have people process. And this will help you uh, process, but it will also help you to help others process as well. A couple, a couple of quotes from the book just to whet your appetite, to get you going, uh, to give you a little bit of a taste. He says, what you cherish at your core is what you aim at with your life. Whatever you cherish at your core is where you're gonna go. So what, what's in your core? How, how important it is to guard your heart? When you begin to understand what you're supposed to do, you can better discern what you're not supposed to do. It's often said, you need to know your calling so you can say no to good things, so you can say yes to great things. Uh, Craig Rochelle goes on, he says, God's vision for you is bigger than you can imagine and impossible for you to do it on your own. Uh, it gives the, the grand idea that God wants to use you, but you need other people, the body of Christ, to do this vision. Uh, and so it encourages you to fulfill out your calling um, in community, which is an important thing, especially because many times we make it all about our gifts and our calling. But the reality is, is we're to do these things to bring God glory and to build up his body. And so um, great quote there. One last one. For a Christian, success means becoming who God wants you to be. Wow, that's solid. Uh, and it seems like, you know, we as God's people have a hard time finding our identity at times. And so this is just a solid book for you to just check out as a resource. And we, we truly uh, need to trust and embrace God's call of who He made us, um, our imperfections, our weaknesses, our strengths, and just to live by Him, or live by faith, trusting Him. Um, it, it helps us walk out our callings when we have confidence that God has told us what to do. Uh, that we don't compare with one another. As we learn laps episode, it's important to be unified, but oftentimes we're not unified because we're insecure and we're, we're comparing our gifts and our abilities to one another. And, and 2 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul would say, that's just unwise. God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to walk in freedom. And so I specifically ask uh, my friend Brian Saylor to talk about this subject, who is a college-age pastor and over youth and a, a fairly large ministry at Calvary Melbourne. They have, a, I think, over 10,000 members there, and their college ministry is quite large. And he deals with this subject all the time as he has hundreds of college-age students um, that he's counseling in, in, in this ministry of, called The Harbor. Uh, it's an incredible thing. He's a great, young, gifted leader. And uh, I actually uh, heard him speak this message at a youth conference that I was at, uh, where he was at, and I asked him uh, specifically to put a video together of this talk, a condensed version, so that he can share this with our community, uh, the Leadership Lessons podcast. And so he graciously recorded this on video, uh, and I know it's going to bless you. And so this is a guest lesson from Brian Saylor uh, out at Melbourne, Florida. What's going on, everybody? My name is Brian Saylor, and I'm one of the pastors at Calvary Chapel of Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I'm the young adults pastor there, and I've been at Calvary for about six and a half years, and I've been serving as the young adult pastor for three and a half of those years. And I just wanna say up front, very excited to be a part of this 
EE Leaders uh, content. I don't know whether Daniel's going to use it for a podcast or a vlog or whatever, but man, I really love and believe in what Daniel is doing with this EE Leaders content. Very excited for it and very excited that it's going to really grow and enrich the church. I hope that it grows and enriches your life and ministry. I know personally, Daniel has been a great friend to me. He's an amazing pastor, an amazing church planner, and what I love about him is that he kind of combines this incredible uh, combination of being one of the kindest, most sweet, most loving people that I know, but also having this intense hustle and intense passion for the kingdom of God and for the gospel. I love him, and uh, I hope that uh, all of this stuff that he's putting out with EE Leaders uh, blesses you. So he asked me today to speak on the topic of comparison. And personally, I believe that for anyone serving the church, specifically the church of North America, I think that comparison is one of the greatest things that can derail us or distract us from the mission that God has given us. Because right now we live in this age where there is so much information coming at us and literally on our phones every single day, we can see everything that God is doing in the church worldwide. And that can be really awesome because we get a chance to celebrate the move that God is doing. But there's also this other side that can be really dangerous to us. And that is when we compare ourselves or compare what God is doing through us to things that God is doing around the world. And I've personally seen this happen in my own life. Um, I've got done preaching at the Harbor, which is the ministry that I lead of young adults. And I'm feeling good about life. I come home, I jump on Instagram, and I see this other church. And they're having this big event. There's tons of people there, way more people than I just preached to. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like God is doing amazing things through this church. But then as I keep watching, what I discover is, turns out, that's just their leadership team. And like their leadership team is bigger than my whole church. And so I'm just like, what, what in the world? Like I'm getting discouraged. I'm getting frustrated. Or if you're like me, you have friends of yours in ministry who are amazing, who are maybe better leaders than you, who are better communicators than you, who are more charismatic than you, who connect more with people than you do on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so it's easy to immediately look at those people and start in your mind comparing yourself and really distracting yourself from what God has truly called you to do because you're trying to become or to try to do something that other people are doing and that God is doing through other people. And comparison, it can look like insecurity, but it can also look like pride. We can look at churches that maybe don't have as high numeric numbers as us. We can look at churches that we perceive to be less spiritual or less godly than us. You know, I, I come from the Calvary Chapel movement. Daniel comes from the Calvary Chapel movement. It can be easy for us at Calvary Chapel to sort of compare ourselves to other ministries and just kind of assume that Jesus hung on the cross and died for Calvary Chapel and no one else. So comparison can be insecurity, but it can also be pride. And either way you look at it, it is super dangerous because it removes our focus from what God has truly called us to do. And it removes our focus from Jesus and puts our focus on other things. So what I want to do is speak to you today about that comparison. And I want to share two different things. First off, I want to share three questions that God asks us. 
three questions that God asks us that's really gonna help debunk and remove comparison for our lives. And then as I close out today, I want to share two encouraging thoughts. So three questions God asks, two encouraging thoughts. First off, let's pray. God, we love you. We do want to see a powerful work of God happen in our midst, in our day. We wanna see revival sweep across this nation. God, I believe you are doing an incredible work right now in our communities. And we just wanna see you take that to the next level. It starts with us getting ourselves humble, getting ourselves low, focusing on who you are and what you've called us to do. So help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So three questions God asks. They're gonna be common stories. They're gonna be stories that we know from scripture, but I hope that you're encouraged by them. The first question is from Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, the saddest story in human history. Adam and Eve uh, are tempted by the serpent to eat of the fruit that is in the garden. The serpent says, did God really say that this fruit was good? Uh, or did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? They're like, nah, just this one tree. But then they notice that it's good. The serpent tells them that if they actually eat from the tree, they will become like God. So Eve, with Adam next to her, they take the fruit, they eat it, and then immediately they realize that they are naked. So they sew fig leaves together and they hide from God. So God comes in the garden like he usually does. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. And he says, hey, where are you guys at? Usually you're walking with me. And they say, hey, we realized that we were naked. And so we hid. And this is the first question that God asks. And the first question that I think has a huge impact on us when it comes to comparison. First question God asks is this. Genesis chapter 3 verse 11. God said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So the first question is this, who told you? And I believe it is a question of shame. It addresses the shame in our lives. And so what I want us to see is this, Adam and Eve sinned, that sin led to shame, and that shame led to a cover-up. Now, now the primary problem here is not that they were naked. The primary problem is not the cover-up. The primary problem is not even the shame. The primary problem is that they believed a lie and trusted in the enemy instead of trusting in God. They sinned. They did not trust God. But notice that the side effect of that sin is shame and feeling naked and thus the cover-up. And so when God asks, hey, who told you that you were naked? He's not wondering how they experienced nudity for the first time. What he's communicating to them is that from now on, because of sin, you are going to have things in your life, voices speaking into your life that are telling you lies and that are speaking shame to you instead of speaking the loving intimacy of walking with God. And so I believe oftentimes we compare because we feel shame. Like I'm embarrassed about who I am. I'm embarrassed about my perceived lack of leadership or my perceived lack of giftings. So I want to be someone else. Like I realize I'm not good enough, so I'm trying to be someone else. And actually what I believe is that comparison is a misdiagnosis of our shame. 
So the problem for me, my greatest problem is not my lack of gifting. It's not my lack of communication skill. It's not my lack of leadership skill. My greatest problem is that I don't trust God enough. My greatest problem is that instead of looking at God, I look at myself and I get my eyes off God and get my eyes on me. When I do that, I feel shame. And so who who told you? That's the first question God asks. And man, in my life, this was a huge part of my story. Um, really from the age of 10 until throughout college, a series of events happened in my life that communicated to me that I didn't belong and that I was an outsider. And what I did instead of responding to that shame by trusting God and going to God is I responded to that shame by trying to be impressive and I tried to be impressive to friends and to teachers and to church leaders. But what I discovered was that the more I tried to cover up that shame, the more it was never enough. And so slowly, what I realized was that my greatest problem was not that I was not impressive, but my greatest problem was that I wasn't trusting in my heavenly father. And so my encouragement to you, if you are dealing with comparison, is to look in your life and say, is there some area of shame that I have not addressed? Is there something in my life that I need to take to my heavenly father and give to him and submit to him so that he can transform me and I don't have to react by covering up? Who told you a question of shame? The second question comes from 1 Kings chapter 19 and it's a question that God asks the prophet Elijah. Now the backstory to this question, Elijah, the day before this happens, had had one of the most amazing days of ministry of all time. He called down fire from heaven. He showed up 400 prophets of Baal, and then he actually ended up killing all those prophets, which side note, crazy that ministry back in the Old Testament oftentimes looked like mass slaughter. Super glad that's not the case today. However, Jezebel and Ahab, who were kings of Israel at the time, were not so excited that Elijah had killed all their prophets. And in fact, Jezebel said, hey, I am going to kill you and I'm not going to rest until it happens because you've killed all my prophets. So Elijah, what does he do? He hears this news that Jezebel's coming after him and he reacts in fear and he runs away. He runs away to Judah, he leaves his servant in Judah, and then he continues into the wilderness. He goes actually for 40 days and 40 nights, escapes and runs away in fear, and ends up at this mountain of God, Mount Horeb. And so he comes to this cave in Mount Horeb, and he's hanging out there, and the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. And this is the second question. The word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And really the question, what are you doing here? I believe is a question of fear. And in ministry, oftentimes we get these messages that come to us. And maybe it's a message about a volunteer. Maybe it's a message about a bad event that happened that you're going to have to address. Or maybe the message is just you scrolling Instagram and the thought comes that you're not good enough, 
that God is not walking with you, that your ministry doesn't matter, that everything that you're doing is an absolute waste. And fear enters our hearts. And I think when fear enters our hearts, we have the chance to do one of two things. Number one, we run to Jesus, we pursue him, we set our minds on the things of the Lord, we practice what the Psalms teach us to do and take refuge in our Father. Or number two, we do what Elijah did in this moment and we run in fear and we despair. And I gotta be honest, sometimes I do the one where I trust in God, but even just recently, about a week and a half ago, I had a moment where I reacted in fear and despair and I was in a super dark place for like two and a half days because of it. I wish I could have said I took this high road, I really trusted God, and even though my circumstances were bad, I praised the Lord, but I really despaired. And like Elijah does in this passage, I was like, God, you've left me alone, you've abandoned me, I'm the only one here. So we react in fear. And what I believe happens when we react in fear is we start doing things out of fear instead of doing things out of trust in the Lord. And when our fear comes from a place of comparison, so often what we do is we try to build a ministry based on what we're comparing someone else to instead of building a ministry based on what God has called us to do. And so we have a fear-based ministry that is only because we feel like we're not good enough and we're afraid that we're not good enough instead of a Christ-based ministry. And it's super easy. We can look at our calendar. We can look at our budget. We can look at our phone text messages and we can assess, man, am I building this ministry because I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't? Or am I building this ministry because God has actually called me to do it? And we can believe lies like, if, if I don't carry on with this specific area of ministry, somebody's going to get mad. Even though I know it's wasteful, even though I know God hasn't called me to do it, I'm keeping it going because I'm afraid. Or... If I don't speak, to, or if I, if I have a conversation with this person that's going to be a difficult conversation, man, that's going to be tough. That's going to be really hard. And instead of having the conversation, we hold back because of fear. Or maybe I'm afraid that whatever I step into is going to look stupid or look dumb. And so I don't actually press into that, but instead I, I stay back and I hold back out of fear. And so I think the question that maybe God is asking some of us is this. What are you doing here? Like, how did you end up in this place? You reacted because of fear instead of reacting out of trust to me. And the best thing about this question is that we can immediately turn back to God. We can repent and we can say, God, I'm ready. I want to step into everything that you've called me to do. And when God comes to me and says, like, what are you doing here? He's coming to me and saying, hey, I have something so much better for you. If you would just trust me, don't end up in a cave of despair. Step in faith and watch me move. So that's question number two. Question number one, who told you? It's a question addressing our shame. Question number two, what are you doing here? It's a question addressing our fear. And finally, question number three comes from John chapter 21. This is the last story in the book of John. Jesus has already risen from the dead. And this is the moment where he is having breakfast with his followers in Galilee on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he takes a walk with Peter and he actually restores Peter back into ministry. 
So he restores Peter back into ministry and then he's walking with Peter and he tells Peter, he's like, Peter, listen, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and you walked wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. And he did this to show what kind of death he would die to bring glory to God. And after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. Well, check this out. Peter compares himself. Verse 20 of chapter 21, Peter turns and saw the disciple who Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during supper and said, who is going to betray you? Now, when Peter saw this man, this was John, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So Peter hears that he's going to die a certain death, and he turns around and says, God, what, what about him? Now, Jesus said to Peter, if that is my will, that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so the third question it's a gut puncher question is this, what's it to you? And really this question is a question about discontentment. And it is a painful question, but if we can actually wrestle with it and walk through it with Jesus, it's a beautiful question. Because so often when I see God doing something in someone else's ministry, I can start to be like, God, what about me? Like, why am I not part of that? And I think a lot of times what God is saying is, What's it to you? Like, what's it to you if I am numerically blessing someone else? What's it to you if I gave someone else a gift that you don't have? What's it to you if I've called you to a place that is maybe looks a little bit more difficult or looks a little bit more challenging? Or if I have you in a season right now where it is a wilderness season and you're not seeing the results, but there are results because I am working in your life. Like, what's it to you? And I think a lot of times we can look at other people and we can compare. And I think a lot of times God is saying, are you actually in it to follow me? Or are you in it to see something happen that I'm doing somewhere else? What is it ultimately to you if all you do for the rest of your life is faithfully serve right where I placed you and you're obedient to me? Are you going to be willing to do that? Are you actually going to follow me? What's it to you? And so the questions, who told you? What are you doing here? What's it to you? I think these three questions, like I said, they are gut punchers. They are difficult to hear. But as we wrestle with them, we discover the true heart of God and the fact that God wants us to move closer into trusting him. All right, so I promised you three questions and two last words of encouragement. I'm going to share these quickly as we wrap up the video. So the first word of encouragement is this when it comes to comparison, and that is receive, believe, preach the gospel to yourself. Receive the gospel, believe the gospel, preach the gospel to yourself, because really, truly, what the message we speak is, is that Jesus loved me so much, that God loved me so much, that he sent Jesus to this earth, that Jesus died for my sins so that when I stand before God, that I am sinless, not because of the fact that I don't sin, 
but because of the fact that I have Christ's righteousness on me. And then not only that, but, but I've been raised up and I am currently seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that Christ has actually put me not only as just a slave who is sort of at the bottom of the barrel, but he's actually given me a seat of honor in his kingdom, that I'm a son of God. That God is actually excited to one day show me how great his riches and his kindness are. That I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That God has actually prepared works to show me. And that he's going to have me walk in things that he's actually given me to walk in. And that's an amazing thing. The fact that I have so much access to God's love and God's power and God's peace. And I think when I read these beautiful truths throughout the New Testament, sometimes I wonder if Paul and Peter and the men who are writing these things are like, you got to understand this is the most important thing in the entire world. And it would be crazy for me to get so excited about adding 25 more people to my ministry or 25,000 more people to my ministry. And instead of me actually being so excited about Christ and so excited about what he has done for me that I so want this other little minute thing on the side. And so my prayer for us is that when it comes to comparison that we would preach the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves of the beautiful and glorious riches that we actually have in Christ. And that we would take our great joy from those things and ta- instead of taking our great joy from whatever we perceive to be worldly or outward ministry success. So that's the first thing. Receive the gospel. Believe the gospel. Preach the gospel. And then last but not least is this. Don't despise dreams, but don't chase dreams. Don't despise dreams, but don't chase dreams. I believe that God is able and wants to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine through him. But so often what happens is instead of taking the time to actually get on our knees, pray, seek the Lord, and take bold steps of faith towards the immeasurably more that God has for us, we just steal the dream that God has given someone else. And a lot of times, the ministry success that we see online is the result of someone getting on their face and praying and seeking the Lord and receiving vision from God and taking a bold step. But instead of us doing that, we just say, God, I'll take that guy's dream. And so my encouragement to you is don't despise dreams. Dream big things for God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. But at the same time, do the difficult work of seeking the Lord, of fasting, of begging him to move, of actually taking terrifying steps of faith instead of just pursuing the dream that he's given someone else. So thanks so much, guys, for giving me the opportunity to speak about comparison. The three questions, who told you it's a question about shame, What's it to you? It's a question about discontentment. What are you doing here? A question about reacting in fear. And then finally, the questions or the reminder that we got to receive the gospel for ourselves and we got to seek the Lord for what he has given us. Love you guys so much. Pray this was helpful. God bless. Well, I love that Brian said comparison is one of the greatest things that can derail us or distract us from the mission 
God has given us. God has given us a mission and we start comparing, man, it just ruins everything because it gets our eyes on us and not on God and what he wants us to do. And I just love that he brought up this important subject to talk about and identify and to fight back. There are really ways that we can fight back and walk in this freedom. And I found that um, when I'm comfortable in my own skin, Man, I just get so much joy. Listen, I know that I mispronounce words in this podcast even. I know that this isn't the perfect uh, thing or I'm not the best communicator and I'm looking at a camera and you may be hearing me, but you know what? I feel good because I'm doing what I feel God has called me to do. I'm growing in that and I'm exercising that gift that God has given me. And so, um, man, it just brings so much peace, so much joy when you have your identity in God of who he's called you to, uh, to be what he's called you to do. And so uh, I matched up today's one piece of advice by my church planner friend, AJ Pereira, uh, Pierre, who's actually doing a great work in West Palm Beach. And he's sharing about his identity. He's gonna ask you, who are you? Uh, that fundamental question, who am I? What does that mean in my life? And AJ is just a fun guy to be around, man. God is using him uh, in ministry. He's become a friend and have him over to hang out and just to build one another up and I actually recorded this after we had lunch outside of a restaurant just because we were talking I'm like man I, I want people to hear uh, the insight and the wisdom you have and so uh, it's great seeing God work this principle out in his life as he's flourishing to do a great work that God has called him to do and just to be himself and so this is my friend AJ with his one piece of advice you're listening to one piece of advice Brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. Hey guys, what's going on? So glad to be here with you today. My name is AJ. I'm the lead pastor of Empowered Hope out of West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, so excited to just have a moment to really share with you, right, a, a leadership principle, a nugget, a tidbit, or something that we could take away uh, that we believe will be beneficial, right? And I guess the thing uh, that I would share with you today is something that I've had to walk out recently, I would say, in my own personal life, which is a simple question, right? And it's a question that I believe we all eventually have to ask ourselves, which is, who am I? Right. Who am I? I think that is such a critical question, especially when you're talking about leadership. Right. Because in ministry, a lot of times when we look at it, we can get very distracted. Uh, we can be pulled back and forth based on public opinion or based on the opinions of the groups or society or whatever the case may be. But one thing that I had to come to realize and one thing that I want you to realize is the fact that you have been created by God for this exact time for a specific purpose to accomplish a specific task. And for that to happen, you are going to have to be authentic, right? You're going to have to be exactly who he called you to be. So stop worrying about what others said. Stop worrying about what you believe you should be doing or what you think they want you or don't want you to do. But what is it exactly that God is calling you to do? What's the vision? What's the purpose, right? What's the call? What is it, right? Be authentic. I like to use the word be unapologetic. Right? How many times do we go through life apologizing for who we are or apologizing for what we've done or not done or apologizing for the way that we function when in actuality, if you just be authentic, I'm telling you, there are people out there, right? I like to say they're tuned to your voice. 
right their ears are tuned to your voice and so the only way that you're going to be able to reach them the only way that you're going to be able to maximize your effectiveness is truly functioning and who God has called and designed you to be right so my question to you today is deal with the who am I in your life right figure that out right if you're getting ready to start if you're getting ready to launch if you've been in ministry for a while I think a lot of times as the boat floats right we can kind of get off a little bit right but asking yourself who are you and reconnecting to that purpose reconnecting to who you are God I'm telling you is going to get you right back on track and ultimately it's going to get you to the place where you're accomplishing everything that God wants you to do so here we love you we're so excited to be able to share that with you God bless you and we'll definitely talk to you soon well Ephesians 4 7 says but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts we truly are who we are by God's grace and rather than comparing he wants us working together. And so in the next episode, which you can actually listen to right now or watch, uh, I'm going to have Pastor Glenn Schaefer share about the church. Uh, And just his perspective is so refreshing that we, the people of God, are the church. We're the church and God wants to use us and accomplish his will through us, his mission through us, imperfect people. It just, it boggles my mind, but it brings so much glory to who God is and it's by his grace. And so um, I pray that you were encouraged by this lesson, this episode, and I pray that you get encouraged by just being free in your own skin. Not that you'll settle for, uh, you know, non-excellence or not growing, but that you'll understand that God has given you a measure of grace, a capacity, and that's all that you need to be faithful to. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I'm praying that as you identify your calling and God reveals to you things that you to do, that he would fill you also up with his spirit and strength and joy and love to accomplish those things. God bless you and we will see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it will encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.